So I have a question. How are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses and it is consuming our lives? How do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. What's up, everyone? I'd like to welcome you to today's podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I always am. And today, uh, on this episode, I've got Gary Chupik with us, and he's going to talk about uh, the topic today is going to be how to set game-changing business goals. And uh, so I've known Gary for a little over eight years now, and um, he is he's a uh, he's a leadership coach, a business coach. He does all kinds of fantastic things. He does strategic planning. And um, anyhow, so I would like to welcome Gary Chupik today to our podcast. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, definitely. So can you uh, can you just go in and give us a little overview of how do you set game-changing business goals? Yeah, so so goal setting is a really interesting topic. Um, you know, I find that most people either love it or hate it. And so when people hate setting goals, there's and there's always a, a mix in a room. Some people really love making goals. Some people really hate making goals. So for those people who really hate making goals, I'll say, so what are your desires? So what are some of the desires or things you'd like to see happen, you know, in the next four months or six months or a given length of time? So some of it is just changing the vernacular to help with their mindset. But uh, but goal making is really important. And I heard a statistic one time that if a goal is written down, it's 83% more likely to be accomplished. 83% more likely to be accomplished. And so I think that should send us a message that when we're intentional and deliberate about our goals, we're far more likely to achieve them if they're written down. Yeah. And there's also another little trick to that. Once you write your goals down and I'll give you my little extra little bonus trick, you know, this is that um, if you, if you can write them down on a, on a little index card, I know folks are out there sign John, you're old school, but if you can write them down, write it down, Say it's just one goal, okay? Write it down on a little four by six index card, all right? Put it in your vehicle, put it in your visor, put it on your mirror, put it different places to where you can see, visually see the goal. Because here's the thing about it is, is that if you want to increase that 83%, so once you've got it wrote down, if you want to increase that to 90 plus percent, you have to visually see it and read it multiple times a day in order to really get it stuck into your head because this is all talking about and and, and gary is a mindset genius i mean he is fantastic i love this guy but this talks about mindset too all right so many of us know what to do why is it so hard to execute goals well, the most obvious answer is that execution is not sexy. It is a grind <laughs> to do this. Like it, it requires follow through. Some of us are really great starters and we're lousy finishers. Like we have a hard time following through. So it really does sort of tap into that side of us that, you know, execution is difficult. We love the outcome. We might love the results, 
but doing what's necessary to get there is a whole different story. And uh, a lot of people want to be somewhere in the, you know, it, it, whether it's like fame or fortune or success or whatever it is. Um, yeah, a lot of us want to be there, but very few of us are willing to pay the price to get there. So, so number one, it's just, it's just not sexy. It's, it's a grind. And I would say number two, ideas start out simple. Like anybody can come up with an idea. And so I look at it like sort of like a, an hourglass. So you have, you know, you might have a thin top and you have a simple single idea and it might come to you and you think, wow, that would be really fantastic to do. But then when it bulges out in the middle, like a snake that just swallowed, you know, a rat or something um, or something large, you, you get this bulge in the middle. And that's the complexity of executing and like all the complexity and all the, all the difficult things and all the different aspects of the business. Yeah, it's complex, but then it's got to come back to simplicity. It's got to narrow out at the bottom. And I think a lot of people look at the complexity part of it, that bulge and say, well, how in the world are we ever going to do that? So the execution has got to be simple. And I've been in so many coaching sessions on both sides. I've been the coachee oftentimes where someone will says, someone will say, you've got to make it more simple than that. It's got to be more simple. The execution has got to be, well, I can't make it more simple. It's got to be more simple. And so that drive towards simplicity is so crucial. In the sports mental training world, as you mentioned, I, I do a professional, I train professional uh, athletes and, and uh, teams and coaches on mindset stuff and mental training. I'm a professional member of the Association of Applied Sciences and Sports Psychology. What we're trying to do is talk in 15-second funnels. So you might have a complex idea, but when you're when you're coaching an athlete or a high performer, even in business, you've got to be able to coach in those 15 second funnels. So what? So you have a complex issue, but you've got to funnel it down so it's simple for them. Yeah, yeah. Complexity will kill anything all the time. It will because for a for a let's say for a business owner who's starting a bakery, you know, you know, it's a great simple idea. But if you really think about it, there's a lot to starting a bakery. There's the demographics, there are the commercial real estate, there's capital, there's the legal part of things, there's operations, there's HR, uh, there's product design and development, there's marketing, and there's advertising. So there's a lot of complexity to starting a bakery. However, the execution has got to be so simple that you can kind of pick right back up on it and, and start knocking out some of those things. So the execution has got to come back to simplicity. And if it doesn't come back to simplicity, there's going to be a very little chance of success. Yeah. I 100% totally agree with all that. So Gary, how is a vision and a goal different? Well, a vision is what the business might look like in the future. Goals are the groundwork that gets you there. So it's part of the strategy of an organization. So vision is where you want to go, what it looks like in the future, and the goals are the gears that turn so that you can get to where you want to go. Yeah, so the goals are the action piece then. That's right. So you always have to be taking continual action to get goals to come to fruition. Yeah, so, that's exactly right. So why are goals so easy, easily to make and so hard to execute? Well, it depends. As we mentioned earlier, some people are just naturally better at details and admin and operations. And some people like you and I, John, are visionaries. Like we, we want to take over the world. And so we want to take over a region. We want to take over a country. We have like really big ideas. And so for us, 
being really detailed in writing down those goals can be difficult. So what I think is lacking oftentimes, and one of the reasons why it's hard to execute goals is that we don't have someone beside us to help us do those things. So there's a book written called uh, Who, Not How. And I can't remember the author of it, but there was a book written who, but it's not, it's not uh, what, but who, or who, but what. I, I think there's a lot of value in saying, who else do I need to invite to the table to help me accomplish these goals? Because if you want to take over the world, you're going to need somebody's help. Like no matter how talented you and I are, John, we're never going to be able to do that. So it's who could I invite to the table to help me take over the world? And instead of saying, well, how can they just help me? Who, what could I actually, what responsibilities could I just totally offload myself of so that they can do this? And you, I think, have someone like that in your organization who's a catalyst or does operations or is, is that implementer type that can keep the ball moving forward. So you're the visionary, but that person helps all those goals get accomplished. Yeah, it's true. And and you got to, and, and well, first of all, you, you have to know who you are in your organization, first of all, and that there's a whole nother podcast that maybe me and Gary can talk about together of knowing exactly who you are. And me and Gary both are visionaries. And so, um, so if you wanted to come to fruition, um, I am not who you pass stuff off to. It's, it's, it's just not happening. And I think another piece as far as, as having someone help you with your goals, not only that, but you need to also have an accountability partner. And hmm. I truly believe in this. And accountability partners look very specific. They look, they look different than an implementer. They look, they are basically your cheerleader. Okay. Hmm. And they have to be there to help you out. And in doing this, you have to pick your accountability partner correctly. And sometimes it's not your your partner or your spouse. Sometimes it's not your business partner. Sometimes it's somebody that is just a friend that can be there to say and give you the positivity piece of it. Because you need someone to be to have positive actions and words towards you. You need to have somebody that has an optimistic mindset that they can sit there and help you do this to where they're positive in the moments, but they're overall optimistic about helping you achieve this goal. And you got to have that because if you don't go, it makes a goal a hundred times harder to achieve. If you don't have somebody there to hold you accountable, you know, and, and the thing about it is, is that being accountable is one thing you can, you can have someone that is there that's holding you accountable they can still be they can still be positive in those moments that you need. So I'm gonna give a real quick example. So let's say Gary has a goal to lose 25 pounds, okay? And I'm his accountability partner. So here's the deal. So I'm calling him and Gary, and I'm saying, hey Gary, somebody, so how are you doing on losing the weight? Are you following the plan that you that that that's been designated for you? Well, I've been off plan a little bit this week. So talk to me about what that looks like. So he tells me what all he's done that's been off plan, right? Now, this is my important piece. I come in and say, Gary, so is that going to help you achieve your goals of losing that 25 pounds? Because you have a deadline coming up. You you got to lose 25 pounds within the next six weeks now. Is that really helping you do that? No. Okay. Well, why do you think you've gotten off plan? 
And so what I'm doing is that I'm holding him accountable, but I'm doing it in a very optimistic way. I'm using my optimistic mindset to help him accomplish these things. So just remember, it's very crucial not only to find some people that you can hand stuff off to, but it's definitely crucial to have that accountability partner because it increases your chance of achieving your goals and achieving them faster if you have somebody there cheering you on. But also, whenever you screwed up saying, hey, you screwed up, it's okay, but we still got to move forward. How can we change what's going on right now in your life? Yeah, and it's interesting because it's called integrated coaching where where you help the client understand that they're coaching themselves in lots of ways and you're just asking valuable questions. Like, for example, like, you know, what would it take for you to get back on track? You know, um, what are some of the things that you feel like you would need to do? What are some things, what, what are some actionable things you can do to get back on track today and tomorrow and this week? And why is that important? What's, a, what's, what's so important about the goal that you want to reach? And just reminding people of the main thing because it's easy to get your mind off the main thing. It, it very much is. And you see in Gary's example, there were the things he was saying. He was being positive in the moments with an optimistic with an optimistic mindset that there's a thing because nobody can be because because positive being positive is is basically emotional based. You know, you, you can't be positive all the time. Right? You, you, you mean positivity is emotionally based. Optimistic is a mindset. So I just want everybody. I mean, I mean you've talked heavily That's about excellent. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so my next question is, is that what is the anatomy of goal setting? Well, oftentimes people make goals that are unrelated to um, what their outcomes they want to see. And so they'll say, well, I want to read 10 books. But the question is, why do you want to read 10 books? And so you you have to attach it to your mission or your vision or and your vision and your values and your objectives. And so goals are really the fifth thing on this list. Like it's, it's downstream from your mission. So if you make goals that are disconnected from your mission and your vision and your values and your objectives, then they're just kind of like out in floating in space. And and whether you accomplish them or not, you really don't care. But if they're attached to your mission or your calling and your vision and where you want to go and what's important to you and what do you want to see happen, then it's easier to make goals. So even from even goals being the fifth in line or fifth downstream from your mission, for those who are, are more detail-oriented, we can keep going because now we can talk about process goals and we can talk about micro goals. So a process goal um, is downstream from a goal. So you have a goal of, like you said, of you know losing weight. Well, what's the process that you are going to use to get there? So the process might be, well, I'm going to go to the gym. Well, what is a micro goal? Micro goal is I want to spend 30 minutes at the gym every day or an hour at the gym every day. So you can build it out as detailed as you want. But just to understand that unless goals are attached to your mission and your vision and your objective values and objectives, then you can even use mental imagery to help. Like that's a mindset thing, right? You can use that mental imagery to see yourself accomplishing those things. So the anatomy of a goal must be connected to your mission or a sense of calling. Like what, what, why are you here? What's your life about? What do you want to accomplish in this business? Where do you want to go? What difference does it make? And if it's attached to a mission and a vision and objectives, it can be really powerful. Yeah. I call that purpose. What is the purpose of the goal? Why? Because here's the thing, but is that if you don't have, if you don't have a good why, 
then there's no need to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it, it's just there is there is no need unless you can answer that first question of why are you on this. So, so Gary, so so to the say it's to lose weight. Okay, well that's not a good goal yet. Why do you want to lose weight? Oh, that's well right. because because so let's say I'm I'm asking that question for me. I'm diabetic. So my hope why is is that I want to lose weight so that this way at some point me losing weight will basically cure me from, from, from being diabetic. That's a, that's a great why. That's an excellent why. And if you can attach it to a who, it'll be 10 times more powerful. So if you can, Oh, why do you want to, you know, not have diabetes? Well, because I want to be there for my kids and be there for my spouse. And so if you can attach a who it's, it's incredibly powerful. And so for me to answer that question is that, and you already know this, I want, I want to help and touch hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And that, and that includes my family. That and if you're in a coffin, it's hard to do that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I'm dead, there won't be no more podcasts. There won't be us no more of us talking. And, and I like us talking. I like doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. All right. So what is four by four goal setting? So four by four goal setting is a system that I created to help businesses keep all the gears turning. So think of these, think, think of this in this way that the goals are really meant to be gears in an engine and it turns the whole engine. So I call them four by four goals because we accomplish four goals every four months. And what I have is every team in my business. So the business is the engine, but the gears are the teams and our gears and these gears all have goals or all these teams have goals. And so what we want to do is we want to say, okay, so what is sales and marketing? Let's say, so what are your four goals for the next four months when it comes to another area, you know, um, HR, you know, what are your four goals for the next four months? Well, we just want to cruise. We just do our job. No, we want to, we want to get better all the time. We want to have a mindset of growth. So how do we get even better in this part of our department or this area of the business? And so in the nonprofit world, we basically see a trimester of different uh, uh, timeframes. So in the nonprofit world, we will have January through April, May through August, and then September through December. So four goals every four months. So that really works whether you're in the school world, it's a perfect for the school year. Um, when it comes to churches, it's perfect for churches. But in the business world, we have quarters. So you might say, well, let's make four goals every three months. So that would be a four by three. So you can adjust these numbers a little bit. There's a little bit of flexibility to them. But the idea behind it is it gives everybody an opportunity to be working on things and increase communication vertically in the organization. Because what will happen then is when when an area or department comes up with their goals for the that semester or trimester or in that quarter, they will share it with everybody else. And so everybody else will know what the marketing department is doing. And everybody else knows what the sales department is doing because we're reading them out loud and we're communicating them. And so it increases communication dramatically. And it lets us know or lets our customers know and us because we're communicating with our customers that these things are in the works or here's where we're going and here's what, you know, what, what another department's goals are. Hey, I heard that our, our sales and marketing 
uh, department is going to be offering this. So just hang tight. It's coming. So we can we can increase that communication. When we increase communication internally, it increases our communication externally. So you can have a four by four in the nonprofit world. You can have a four by three in the business world if you want to, but it keeps all the gears turning. So can you give me a, how about this? Give me a great example of a four by four in the nonprofit world. Great. So let's say um, in the nonprofit world, um, you are expanding your business. And uh, and let's say you want to expand your nonprofit and have a presence in Alaska. So um, so you might say, uh, well, let's let's talk about the non- let's talk about the business world. It's a little bit easier in this in this okay. way because we can talk about about finances. So let's say you want to onboard. One of your goals is to onboard three new clients um, from Alaska, new corporate clients. Okay. Your second goal is to increase sales by ten percent. Your third goal is to hire an operations manager, and your goal uh, number four would be to increase social media followers by twenty percent. So these are kind of high level goals. But then you're gonna then you're gonna sort of you know centrifuge them to figure out okay what are what are the things that we need to accomplish. In, in order to accomplish our goals. So let's take goal number one, for example. So you onboard three new corporate clients from Alaska. So an example of that would be, uh, you know, three new clients in Alaska. And so what are the, what's the process that we are going to use to accomplish that goal? So we might say, well, we can try cold calling. Um, we can take a business trip to Alaska. We can talk to existing customers and get references in Alaska. There's all these things that we can do to accomplish this one goal. And so we might figure out what our process goals are, or you can break down that goal into further smaller goals. And so a micro goal might be to make 20 sales calls in a day. It might be to, to call um, existing customers or 10 existing customers that would refer us to different clients in Alaska. So you have a, a general goal, a four by four goal, like one of them. Then you can then you can go to the next level and have a process goal and go even further and have a micro goal. So it's just making four goals every four months. Now, here's the trick, John. There's a lot of people who don't want to be detailed about it. They just can't. They just cannot be that detailed. I'm one of them. If if I have to be that detailed, I'll shoot myself in the head. I just can't do it. So what's good for me is if I can just come up with the four goals and then write them down on a whiteboard or put them on my refrigerator or you know keep them near my desk. And I always have them in front of me. So these are the four goals that I want to accomplish in the next four months. Um, the rest of the team has heard about it because we all sat down at a staff meeting and I told everyone about it. And so now I've got some accountability because they're going to you know be wondering how I'm going to do. Am I going to Am I going to accomplish this goal in four months from now? And then I'm going to give a report after the four months of whether I accomplished that goal. So again, it keeps all of those wheels and gears turning and there's accountability built into it. There's sort of like you publicly stand up and you share with everyone what those four goals are. It doesn't mean that you need to accomplish them on your own. It just means that you are responsible for making that happen. Well, and also in this, so me and you both are visionaries, right? And it's really hard for us to get things accomplished. Um, but for me, I will elaborate a little bit on this process is that sometimes I come up with so much. So I'll come up with a smart goal, but that doesn't mean I'm going to plan out that goal on how to, how I'm going to accomplish it. I can always hand that off to someone that is more oriented towards doing that. So just remember now, now, if you are that person, that's great. 
I wish I had some of those skills, but I don't. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, you know, and, and, the, and the thing about it is, is that, and so, you know, you can make these things team efforts, you know, and you can find somebody that complements your weaknesses with your strengths, right? And so they may not have that visionary piece. So you become that for them and they become that detail oriented piece for you. And so just remember, there's there is there is no one way to do any of it. For me, I personally, because I am visionary, I'm big thinking. Right. I think about big pictures. I love using a vision board because visually I can plot something out visually own stuff. And, and it's really weird because I like to use string. So whenever I do a vision board, uh, that there's how I plot my stuff out because, because it's still big picture to me. Right. And now I'm having pieces inside this vision board that I can look at. So I really love doing vision boards because it complements my style and my personality. And then I can have somebody come in that is, that is detailed oriented. They'll look at the, and I can say, do you understand this? And they may say, no, I'm like, well, I walk them through and they're just like, yeah, but you're still missing something here. Right. So the thing is, is it's always great to have someone to come back in and look at whatever you're doing or pass it off to someone to make it more detailed, to give you the steps that you need, because me and Gary both can follow steps. That doesn't mean I'm going to come up with the steps. Does it Gary? Yeah, that's right. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people really struggle with this part of the execution where they just think they have to do everything alone and they don't. In fact, when you do goal setting, if you can do them in team or at least with one other person, that way they can say, oh, you know what? That's a really great goal, but I'm not sure it's the right next step. Yeah. I think you're three steps down, but it's not your right next step. And so it just helps recalibrate what the most important things are to do. And we call them wins, right? Four by four wins, right? And the wins stand for what's important now. So these goals are important now. And then, you know, you could have a goal that's important three years from now or two years from now, but it's not important now. So in order to get to where you want to go or fulfill your mission or your vision, you've got to be able to do the things sequentially in order so that you can get there. Yeah. And so and so I think the big thing that I want everybody to get out of this is that you need to have you need to have processes on how to do these things and you need to be able to have steps and everything else. But it doesn't mean that you are the one creating them. It doesn't mean that you are the one that has to do it. And and if you are, that's great. But the thing about it is, is that you got to remember is that you're not alone in this world. There is people out there that want you to succeed, that want to help you. And in doing that, you got to find them and recruit people. Well, like you said, if you have someone in your life who is a good mentor or a good coach, they can kind of hold you accountable, give you pointers, be optimistic, ask the right questions to help you succeed. You know, all the best players in sports, they all have coaches. And yeah. we often we often will call a coach when something's really wrong or there's a problem. When in reality, like take, for example, Russell Wilson, who's you know the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, he would talk to his mindset coach, Trevor Moad, five days a week and perpetually. It's, it's not just like when he needs him, it's five days a week all the time. And so he keeps Russell sharp. And I think in the same way, you know, people view coaching as like, well, if I, if I really have a problem, I'll go get a coach. No, a coach just helps you stay sharp. helps you stay really good. And oftentimes the coach is not as good as the player, right? At the sport, you know, Tiger Woods coach is not as good as Tiger Woods. So, but we ask the right questions and we're, our whole job is to bring the best out of the people that we work with. Yeah. My big thing is that I'm a facility. I mean, 
my so I so, so I have a quote that that, uh, that that Gary loves about me about this is that I'm a I'm a facilitator of people's potential, oh. and that and that there's it. I mean that there's that there's just the thing about it is is that I do nothing but facilitate people, and and and, and that's it. And sometimes being a facilitator is making sure that you're asking the right questions and being able to give a different perspective on this thing. And it all comes back to goals. So, so, I mean, I, and I think me and Gary both will encourage people to find someone that is that kind of, that kind of mentor kind of person in their life, uh, someone that can give to them freely um, and, you know, and not hold back stuff because that's just the worst thing in the whole world is, is that you're, you're in this relationship with someone else and say it's your spouse, all right. Or your partner, Oh my gosh, they can be super critical of you at times. I mean, and it's just, just the nature of the beast. I mean, you're in love with this person. And so it's <laughs> the thing about it is, is that I, I, I love my wife. My wife is so many things to me. She is not my mentor. I love yeah. her, but she is yeah. not my mentor. So the thing about it is, is that, so you may not want your best friend as your mentor either. You may want a really good friend or even an okay friend that is willing to put some time and effort into your life that can change your life. Yeah. There's a difference between a friend and an ally, mm -hmm. you know, a friend will, you know, cheerlead you, put his arm around you, that kind of thing. But an ally is someone who's helping you row the boat. Right. And we're, we're strategizing together. And I think a coach, a good coach and a good facilitator, when it comes to, whether it's this four by four process or it's uh it's, uh, you know, just help you make business goals and help you, you know, achieve something that is really important to you, or if you just want to be at your best and you want to stay constantly sharp, um, having an ally, having a coach is one of the most valuable, important things you can do. I've had a coach since 2012 or 2011, and I've had it perpetually. So um, I see the value in it. And because I see the value in it, they make me better. And so what I want to do as a coach is I want my fruit to grow in other people's trees. I want to see my influence in their life to have a, a great dramatic effect and in their success. Yeah, it's you know, I call it I, I call it a kind of a life cycle piece. You know, it's you know, um, I've been having someone either a mentor or a coach in my life for the past twenty years, and so um, it makes a huge difference. And then at times I've had both mentor and coach and a mentor and coach are two different things. I want people to understand that an ally coach is one thing and a mentor is someone that is, that is pouring into you um, in a different way that, that they are, that they're honest, but they have a more closer relationship with you. They're asking so, hard questions. Yeah. And it's, and it's really hard, but the thing about it is, is that, but I always believe in having someone pour into me, and then me pouring into someone else and it's a circle and it always keeps going. And so, you know, and, and if you, and if you're not doing this, you are missing, you are missing out in your life on such richness that is, that is not monetary, but it is, it is Gary, help me out here. It is just feeding the places that needs to be fed in your life. Well, there's a question that, that I pose to people, and that is, what do you want versus what do you really want? Because if you ask yourself what you want, you're, you get content with just 
I, you get content with accepting mediocre things. But if you ask yourself what you really want and what you really want to see happen in your life, then, then that coach can help you say, man, are you, are you asking the right questions? I mean, are you, are you sure you're chasing after what you really want versus what you want? Because the vast majority of people that I know, John, um, I would say that the vast majority of people I know, like 80 to 90% of people I know are chasing what they want which is a weekend, the football game, a good meal, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. They're, you know, going to the cabin and being on their boat, living for the weekend. But there's very few people pursuing what they really want. And so having that mentor in your life that's different from a coach, coaching is a little more X's and O's, but having that that mentor that can say, you know, are you sure you want that? Are you sure you're, you're expending all this, this re, these resources and energy? Are you sure you want that? Because it sounds like you want something else. And so having that person just kind of push back a little bit is really healthy. Yeah. So I've got a really quick story, Gary, because I know our time is going to be running out soon. But um, I've got a great, great story about, about my oldest son, Joshua. And, and so and this is about asking the wrong questions and about asking the right questions. Okay. So my son's in middle school. And he's 23 now, so he, so this has been a while back. But he comes to me in middle school, and he says, "Dad, why are girls crazy?" And I just laugh because for all the women out there, I want you to understand this: for men, the things we don't understand, we find to be crazy, and it doesn't mean that you're that you're mentally ill or anything. We just things we don't understand. I mean, it can be anything in life. I mean, and, and you can ask guys all over and listen to the way we talk and be like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. And the thing about it is, is that it's because we don't understand it and things we don't understand. We find crazy. And so my son was asking me because he doesn't understand girls. Right. Why are they doing the things that they're doing? And he says, Dad, why are girls crazy? And I look at him and I laugh. I gave him a hug and I say, son, you're asking the wrong question. He goes, what do you mean the wrong question? I said, because. You know, I was in my 40s and I was just like. Uh, son, I don't know why girls are crazy. He goes, but you're old. I was like, yeah, I know I'm old, but I still don't know why girls are crazy. He goes, but you're married. I said, I still don't know why girls are crazy. I said, because you're asking the wrong question. The question should be not why are girls crazy, but what is the severity of the crazy? Because it's because I said, you need to figure out what you can and cannot put up with. What what can you deal with with this? Can you deal with a lot of drama? Can you not deal with a lot of drama? Because we don't understand drama, right? And so the thing is, so I asked him, I said, what is the severity of that? And so it was the right question now. And I said, can you, can you put up with the things that she is giving you, right? And he was just like, oh, I see now. I said, so quit asking why she's crazy. Just figure out whether you can deal with what she's given you or not. And mm-hmm. so that changed his mindset. So the thing about it is, is that, so it's always about asking the right questions mm-hmm. because sometimes the wrong questions will lead you down a rabbit hole or a place that you don't want to go. Yeah. Those are good distinctions between mentors and coaches. Yeah. So anyhow, all right, Gary, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really love having you on here. I really love getting your, your, your point of view. I mean, you have some different views on things, but we're all very, but we're very, very similar on the things that we do. And I always love to have that new perspective brought in. Yeah. It's iron sharpens iron, isn't it? It is. It always is. It always is. Thanks for sharpening me. Yeah. Thanks for sharpening me today. It's been a great. So, uh, so can you tell people a little more to where, where they can, where they can get a hold of you and uh, in in case they want you to um, help facilitate some of their stuff? 
yeah, I'd be happy to, I do online trainings and so I can do online live trainings and I can do, um, yeah, live trainings and, and online, live online trainings. So in person and online, both live. And uh, they can find me at GaryChupik.com. And that's G-A-R-Y-C-H-U-P-I-K, GaryChupik.com. And if people just want to Google me, they can find all sorts of information about how to get to me and be on my website. I also have a, three, a free 30-minute discovery call. People can check in with me and I can walk them through this process of four by four goal making or other generalized leadership coaching and strategic planning. Awesome, Gary. So what I will do is that I'll put Gary's uh, website in my in the podcast notes today. So this way, if you want to learn more about Gary, you can. Gary, once again, thank you for being on the podcast. You're and, welcome, and thank you for having me. Yep. Yeah, and guys, we will see you on the next one. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode. Hopefully, what I shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds, businesses, and profits. If this episode did help you, be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help. We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. I hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a fantastic day, my friends.